Welcome to the fourth episode of the Triathlete Hour. Today, we're talking to Tim O'Donnell, last year's runner up at Kona, about what it's like to go viral and get called an idiot by Jimmy Fallon and uh, and how he's coping with the current uncertainty. Plus, he tells us the story of when he first felt like he made it. But first, I'm chatting with former Ironman champ Sarah Gross about the state of the tri-world season races. Uh, how are you, Sarah? I'm great. I feel like a bit of an imposter, though. Um, really talking about triathlon stuff because I, I don't normally do it you don't know oh you don't normally do triathlon you don't yeah, really tri- talk about triathlon I talk about triathlon all the time but <laughs> I, I don't swim or bike anymore so nobody swims anymore so it doesn't matter I also feel like <laughs> I just called you I just called you a former Ironman champ but like isn't isn't that like a t- like president like a title you keep forever oh, it's never former yeah we I keep that forever Kelly yeah <laughs> And then for the trophies beside my bed, especially when you work for 10 years to win that thing. I mean, that I, I look at that thing every day. Like, <laughs> finally won Iron Man. You're like, and I will never let anyone forget it. So that's right. That's right. So thank you for the wonderful intro. Yeah. <laughs> If you don't know, uh, Sarah and I used to do a podcast together called If We Were Writing about things that you would talk about if you were allowed to ride with people now on log rides and you uh you went and replaced me with sarah true which i feel like very replaced by oh really yeah it's it's you know the whole thing is the whole vibe changed when sarah Mm. true came on the show so you know you and i had our thing we did a (laughs) hundred amazing episodes over two years and then and obviously you're totally irreplaceable Um, obviously totally yeah and then sarah joined me for if we were riding and um and it's just slightly different vibe it's still equally as casual like as if we were riding but you know you know like with different friends you talk about different stuff so sarah and i have our thing you and i had our thing so it's all good it's all good yeah and so now people are getting like a full they're getting the full if we were riding kind of right here right now we're doing our own little thing probably less cursing though i would guess yeah i don't think i'm allowed to swear as much uh on triathlete okay it's fair but Sarah and I've you know if you don't know and I make fun of Sarah for this all the time is Canadian. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> so you're, sorry about that. Sorry, so sorry. sorry. <laughs> so you're up in Victoria, and so I'm wondering. I want you to tell me how Canada and how Victoria are handling like the lockdown, Corona, quarantine situation. Are you guys on pretty strict lockdown? Is it chaos? What's it like? Yeah, I feel this has actually been one moment in my life where I feel very, very lucky to be Canadian. (laughs) Um, Or especially now during this time. I mean, there's been, obviously there's been great times to be an American throughout history. Um, (laughs) But perhaps this is one time that's better to be Canadian. (laughs) Um, So I don't know, like every, every morning our prime minister does um, a press conference and brings all the newest information, right. Which creates this, uh, it creates this, what would you say? A vibe is too light a term. Like it creates an environment where we as Canadians are getting good information from the top scientists who know what they're talking about and the doctors straight to us, you know, about the virus, about what to do next in terms of staying home and, and all of that. So right now we're, we're effectively being asked to stay home um, and to go out as little as possible. And all non-essential services are, are shut down. Like all the shops are closed and stuff across the country. Uh, and then there are a couple places where they've had to start handing out fines to people like in big cities. Hmm. Um, but I'm, I get the impression that's kind of 
few and far between. You know, there have, of course, there are incidents of people behaving badly um, when they should be staying home to save lives. But for the most part, I feel like Canadians are getting it, partially because we trust that information system that's coming down the pipe. Yeah, I mean, there's like a whole nother non-triathlon podcast discussion about True. how we trust information and how it is disseminated in this age. But what I was wondering was if triathletes were taking it seriously in Canada. Like, are triathletes being good and staying home? Or are you still seeing Canadian triathletes like on group rides, trying to go to the pool, etc.? I have not. Well, the one thing about not going out is that you don't witness things firsthand but like, I, do, I, don't know. Like, I don't know maybe they're maybe they are no I mean I don't see I, in the times when I have like yesterday for example it was Sunday it was a it was a gorgeous day here and I saw a lot of people on bikes but I saw no people the group ride so I had to go and do a couple errands yesterday so I, I did actually leave the house and witnessed some cyclists keeping their distance from each other um I run a lot in the trails and so uh I've really noticed the last sort of two weeks like the first week Folks were not maybe not as cautious, but now everything you can touch has like caution tape all around it. You can't people don't sit on benches. You can't, you know, you're not. Oh, people don't sit on benches. Interesting. Everything's closed. All the um, like the the, what do you call those things? Picnic tables. (laughs) (laughs) Those things you eat lunch on in parks. Yeah, they're they're closed. There's also you know the um, the city has people out there just making sure people are keeping their distance on the beach. Um, so I like for the most part, people are being super respectful, um, from what I have observed, I have heard stories, you know, of folks not, um, being, especially people say going on runs with people who aren't in their isolation circle, um, and, and maybe getting too close. So that's yeah, for the little sure. things I like mean, that you hear. Uh, so I'm sure it happens. Oh, for sure. It happens. I mean, I don't think Canadians are like not people. Yeah, and it's definitely been happening. We're amazing, but we're not perfect. <laughs> yeah, I went for my like solo outdoor ride yesterday, which I've been doing like once a week. And I definitely there were some guys who were I mean, I don't want to judge. Maybe it's they were in their isolation circle, but it seemed like they were just out with friends on rides, which I thought was super messed up. Um, and I actually feel like I, I feel like I need to make like I need to rant here for a second, Sarah. Okay, oh, which we I love Kelly used to do. Rant. Yes. I used to do a lot and I've made it to, I don't know, month three of this new job without ranting about anything. But I have felt like triathletes in general are not taking this seriously enough. And now I, with the caveat that a t- there are a ton who are taking it very seriously, who are following the rules. And with the caveat, of course, that like, there's tons we don't know about this. Science is changing constantly. Like we may end up re- you know, realizing we overreacted in some instances and didn't react enough in others. Like, obviously we don't know what is going to happen, but mm. I've been getting a lot of triathletes in the last like week or two saying, oh, this is ridiculous. This is like an overreaction. This is, I'm not affected by this. I can just go about my regular life. That's not how like my situation is not like that. Which at this point, if you're saying you're unaffected, it's just because you're choosing not to acknowledge the effect your choices have on other people, right? Like that's that's the reality. Like you're not special. You're not unique. As far as I know, this virus there aren't people who are immune to it in the world, right? It's not like you somehow are just like the one place that's going to be immune and super special and like not be affected, right? Like it's affecting people in New York, in China, in in India, in Italy, in Spain, all the same. So like you're not somehow different. Yes. So to think that like you are is just absurd, is really entitled, right? 
to think that like you don't need to follow these rules is really entitled. And it also the part that's like really crazy to me is like we're triathletes. Aren't like a third of us doctors? Don't you talk to doctors? Like go, talk to and listen to the people working in emergency rooms in these hotspots about how overrun they are, about the, you know, stretchers like backing up out the door about the mobile morgue units in New York. Like New York is not distinctly different from San Francisco. I live in San Francisco. This could happen here. And so whether or not like I'm worried about getting sick, which I'm not that worried about me personally getting sick, I don't want to contribute to someone dying. I don't want to contribute to like my hospital, you know, having a rate at which like they can't literally declare people dead quick enough, right? Like I don't want to be a part of that. So I'm going to follow the rules, right? Like I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. So that's what's been driving me a little nuts is it feels like people aren't really listening, at least around here. I mean, not around here, like in California, they are, but at least generally in our like triathlon community, it feels like a lot of people aren't listening, aren't paying attention, think somehow like they're healthy, they're special, they're, you know, young, they don't need to follow the rules. And it's just like, you're not special. You're not different unless you're an epidemiologist or a public health official. Like, I don't care what your opinion is on Facebook. I don't want to hear it. Just follow the actual guidelines. Yeah, I definitely I feel for people. I mean, so to start just where you back to backtrack halfway through <laughs> your rant there, <laughs> um, where if anyone who hasn't got the message yet that it's not like it's not you that's avoiding getting sick by not going out, right? Right. It's, it's sorry, I just said that out in a very Canadian way. Um, <laughs> it's like to save the the other. It's to save other people, right? It's to right. stop the spread. So that I mean, I think most people understand that. For sure. Um, At this point, one would hope. Yeah, I feel for people. I think triathlon in general and now like now you're going to get a bunch of angry mail from from me. I know. I was just like, oh, man, people are like going to start firing up their keyboards right now. Yeah. But I think that, you know, triathlon um, draws in a lot of people who um, who who like like the kind of like stringent lifestyle of or who are those. I mean, we always say they're a type. People are a type. They like the achievement. They like getting up early and going to the pool. We like that kind of like that life that's very rigid of like, we're training twice a day. We're going to work. I think a nice way to say that is structured and goal oriented. Excellent. Yes. Thank you. We're structured and we're goal oriented. Um, But I think what's, what, what happens now is that we start to see um, for whom that part of it is part of their um, mental health. Uh, would you say right. like keeping them mentally healthy as well as physically healthy and that's totally fine and okay for that too because we all have um, crutches that we lean on for our mental health just like our physical health and crutches is even the wrong word like we all are getting through this world somehow together right but <laughs> right now if you're like if that's your crutch if training for triathlons the thing that keeps you going day to day week to week you know you might need to find something else. Um, and I can see how that might be really, really hard for people, but facing that because this, see, at least here in Canada where we have actually started to flatten the curve a little bit, it means we're going to be inside for longer. Um, and people are starting to accept that and see that like, we need to find a way to be normal like this um, and not just be waiting for the next thing and not worried about when the race is going to start again. So I do feel for people, but folks need to find something else to focus on right now. Yeah. Cause I, feel like there's also been a slight shift in the last week or so, an increasing uh, acknowledgement that races may not be starting again, like not for a while, not this summer, not soon. Uh, Quebec announced, you know, no races, no mass events through the end of August. And I just been like, oh, maybe I'll do Montremblant. I won't be doing Montremblant, right? <laughs> like that's not happening um, because if there are no events in August. And so 
you know, if there aren't going to be, and like, look, guys, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen. There could be races by August, September, October, but there might not be. And if there aren't, then like, what is your motivation? And I think for a lot of triathletes, obviously, you know, they're going to train whether or not there are races. Like I'm certainly going to train whether or not there are races, but I might not train as much. Mm -hmm. So it's like the whole internal versus external motivation goal. What is this? A process oriented versus outcome oriented goal, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we found out really quickly at the beginning of April for whom that like, you know, getting that medal around their neck at the Boston Marathon was going to be really, really important. And for whom it was all about the process. Uh, yeah, I definitely am race oriented. And everyone keeps acting like that's a bad thing. Like, well, you need to be more process oriented. And I'm like, no, if there's not a race, I am not writing my trainer for four hours. guys. Right. Like, it's not happening. Right. I, I, I guess. Yeah, I have. Oh, I have a bit of both. But yeah, I definitely like struggle without struggle without a goal or a reason. Like my reason has become more social in terms of exercise. But yeah, I would never ride my trainer for four hours without a without a goal. Um, but I mean, I think also like changing those goals, like I can also shift those goals out of the athletic realm into like oh, yeah. another realm. Right. So that might be the way to go right now. Zoom goals, zoom goals, <laughs> Zwift goals. Like, figure out how zoom works. That should be my new goal. <laughs> You're not going to get into virtual racing. I, so no, last week we talked and, uh, you actually thought VR for the Ironman VR stood for virtual reality and required goggles. Actually, <laughs> Sarah True and I had a conversation about it because her first reaction was to think to think that it meant virtual reality, which I, I actually didn't think of. But when she said it, I was like, yeah, of course, because that's what that means to like the rest of the world. Um, so it didn't surprise me that her reaction was like, hey, do we wear do we have to buy goggles now, too? <laughs> but that would be yeah, way more fun. You have to buy goggles. You have to buy a thousand dollar trainer and goggles <laughs> to do VR. <laughs> I mean, that's the the barrier to entry is just as high as regular Iron Man anyway. So there you go. Uh, but have you have you like actually looked on it yet? Have you actually looked on it, looked at it, tried it, gotten on it yet? Are you I know you we're both no. so bad. Neither of us is really swift. We like don't even go there. I know. Like, I know. I know what it, I understand. Like, I understand why riding a bike where riding a bike on a video game is really fun. Like, I get that in my head. But okay. I'm not, it's not something that I do. Like I just go outside and run in the trails. That's my, that's like my happy place right now. So. Yeah. I'm wondering, I mean, a lot of people are talking about, uh, you know, virtual racing is the future right now because there might not be racing for a while. You know, they, then they're trying to get these pro racing up and Zwift has their own series and Ironman has their own series and Super League is competing on Zwift now. And there's all kinds of virtual racing. I think we're actually trying to put together like a guide to all the different virtual races out there. Uh, and so it's like, maybe that is the future for a little while. And I just need to get on board faster. Yeah. And I think if you think about it, how many people were already using Swift and Strava and things like that. Um, and for motivation, like I, I'm thinking of the Strava segments, right? Like I've before been oh, yeah. in like Strava battles where I'm going like head to head with like three other women in my community who I like don't even know or only know of. And then we're like e each taking our turn, like conquering a mountain, quote unquote. Sorry, we don't have any big mountains here. A mountain no. in quotes. Um, just see who can have the, you know, the fastest time on Strava. So Queen of the uh, Mountain matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sarah Piampiano was going after a bunch this past week. And uh, and I was like Instagram messaging with her yesterday about because whatever, we live around each other. And ours are very, very hard is the problem. There's all these Olympians <laughs> that you have to like beat yeah. to get the QOM. And you're like, cool, 
great. Yeah, until yeah, until like the national cycling team started using this is like back in the day before anyone used Strava. That's the only way I could win cycling things. You know, it did occur to me last night though, and this might be what I do. So you know how in races your GPS is always slightly more than the actual race distance because of certification rules and tangents and all that stuff. So I might go, yeah, see, so maybe this is an opportunity to run an actual 13.1, go and plot it out. I'm going to plot out a loop around the neighborhood that's like about a mile. So I'll get my husband to like stand one spot in the loop and I'll go and just run my own Mm 13.1 and I'll get like a free extra 0.18 miles and I'll run my PR. I think that's I think that's my new my my plan. Well, that's once it. I can run again, I like quarantine injured myself. So wow, how do you how do you quarantine injure yourself? I actually think this is actually really a lot of people are doing this. I would like everyone who has done this to message me because people are running more than they were before. They're not swimming, so they're not getting like the loosening up aspect. Mm -hmm. They're sitting a lot in like situations, you know, working from home in situations they weren't before. So they're super tight. And then for me, the the kicker was uh, trainering a lot more than I usually do. Like I don't trainer and trainering for me. I apparently move around on my bike a lot out in the road. And when you're on the trainer, you're very stuck. You're very stationary. So I ended up putting a lot of stress on like one side of my body because I was just like kept shifting that that way. Mm -hmm. So I so everything was like just super primed and my hamstring just got hell I can't run it hella jacked up oh no I know I think, it's really bad I know what you mean because I have been I'm doing right now I do mostly lifting and running right so it's the same thing but then I just sit in the same like 1,000 square feet of my condo for the rest right. of the time so yeah it's uh it's definitely a it's definitely like a primed area for over tightness and injury so once I'm unquarantined injured, I'm going to go run a half marathon PR okay. around my neighborhood in loops, and it's going to be great. Okay. Just make sure you cool down from that situation. Right. And and don't like talk to anyone and don't touch it. And I'm going to do it like when nobody's around and you know maintain my distance and my immune health and all of that stuff. So exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, the future of triathlon is weird, Sarah. I don't really know what we're going to see here. And I know you and I have like been texting a lot about it and I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah. It's, I think we need to get uncomfortable with uncertainty right now. Anyone who's not uncomfortable or comfortable with uncertainty is going to be very uncomfortable for a while. So we just need to settle in a little here that we don't know what, and we don't actually know it's possible. The world could go back to exactly the same after this and it's possible it could not. And we don't know. Yeah, I'm increasingly coming around to uh, I don't think it's going to go back to completely the same. But that's just me being like reading way too much New York Times. Not too much. Let's be fair. I read an appropriate amount of New York Times. It's just a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. The world is a giant shrug emoji right now, (laughs) which is my favorite emoji also right now. Well, thanks for talking to me. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then I will be chatting with Tim O'Donnell about not depressing topics. Tim, Tim will be much more fun. So stay tuned. I I love Tim. I'm, um, I'm so glad you had him on this week. Thanks, Kelly. 
Hi, guys. I just wanted to cut in here to say thank you for listening to our first ever podcast, The Triathlete Hour. And uh, and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, so that you won't miss any of the things we have planned or coming, all interviews, news, everything you want to know about triathlon. Now, let's get back to it. All right, well, welcome Tim O'Donnell, uh, who's joining us today. And I keep feeling like I need to introduce the people, but then I'm like, if people are listening to a triathlon podcast and they don't know who Tim O'Donnell <laughs> is, that's sort of weird. <laughs> like, uh, but Tim got second at Kona last year, I guess would be the short summary, longtime uh, pro triathlete, won many, many things. And now, you know, you've gone viral. What's it, what's it like to, you know, be referenced on the Jimmy Fallon show? Yeah, it's insane. You know, all your um, achievements in sport mean nothing. But when you um, trip over the power cord for in a virtual race, you become a uh, viral hit. So I don't know. It's it's been fun. It's been a busy week. But, uh, you know, Rudy and I, have we have good attitudes. And, you know, we just thought it was a lot of fun. So um, yeah, it's really funny. A lot of people sent me that Guardian article. Um, we're like, Oh, did you hear? Did you know triathlons are online now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you, we saw the summation of Iron Man, all of Iron Man's media last week, and I think ninety percent of the headlines had the word "idiot" in it. Um, <laughs> so I am an international idiot right now. <laughs> does that actually? I mean, because you guys have gone like semi-viral before, I feel like, and uh, does it actually help at all? Does it actually help your sponsors and your profile, or is it just kind of funny? Yeah, no, I think uh, we've gotten a lot of good feedback from from partners. Um, you know, they just it's triathlons not always something everybody's talking about. So to have it, um, you know, any press is good press, right? So just getting it out there in, in the mass media, it's been, I think it's been a positive. That's good. And, and you are going to do the virtual race this weekend, right? I am. Yep. Yep. Um, I mean, I guess I should always keep feeling like I need to say when I record. So we're recording on the 10th and this will air next week. So the virtual race will have been done by then. But are you a big virtual guy? Is this like your thing? Are you all into the Zwift and everything? I don't I actually don't do a lot of virtual training. Uh, I do a lot of indoor riding, but I usually have my specific workout that I do. And then I watch TV or, you know, put a movie on. Um, but, you know, I do like I actually do like some of the programs for when I have to do really hard intervals. Okay. I just think it's a nice distraction and uh, you feel like you just kind of push yourself a little bit more and without thinking is hard. So uh, yeah, during some intervals, I'll, I'll throw those on. I, uh, I'm actually a TV person too, when I train her. So now I want to know like, what is your go-to TV that you've been watching? Um, oh, it varies. So Rini and I have, it's like once Izzy came along, we our TV consumption dropped dramatically. Um, so we're always like, we always want to watch stuff together, but then we don't know what what to watch on the trainer by yourself or, you know, <laughs> wait to, till Rennie comes in, but we love Curb Your Enthusiasm. So right. uh, we've been watching the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, I usually keep it light on the trainer. I don't get in, into anything too deep. Um, that, and there's a new show on HBO Avenue five, um, another kind of comedy. It's a, okay. think of a cruise ship in space. Uh, so it's, that's, it's pretty good too. Yeah, no, we're big Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, this this season with the the Spite store. I feel like are you guys oh, going to start? Oh, the Spite store, <laughs> <laughs> so good. So you guys are in quarantine too. I guess you should tell us a little bit about your situation because Boulder's not in like a full lockdown, but you're kind of limited. How what's been happening? How's that affecting you guys? How that's like changing your day? Yeah, um, yeah, we're lucky with Boulder because we can still go outside and train. Um, 
the you know the rules are there's no you know limit on what you can do as long as you maintain social distancing when you're out there but to be honest the trails have been absolutely insanely packed so um i'm actually starting to just run more on the roads so i can kind of avoid people and then you know we have a great setup at the house you know we have the um our training room has you know two trainers and treadmills and Rini uh, is partnered with Master Spa, so we have the the, the swim spa in our um, backyard right now. So we're we're pretty self sufficient. Yeah, I think everyone's really jealous of the guys who have swim spas right now. So yeah, <laughs> and we yeah, we uh, our street everybody it's like a big area for people walking, and the trails are right in front of our house, and everybody's always kind of staring. Someone asked if we would rent rent space. <laughs> oh yeah. No. Someone wanted to rent some lane time. You're not like financially there yet. You're like, no. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. If this thing goes on too long, we might have to do that. So how has it been dealing with kind of like the stress of that? Cause essentially you guys are off work almost right now. Like you don't yeah. have a job right now, but you kind of still, but you're busier than ever. What is, I mean, how are you dealing with the stress of that with the uncertainty? You know, what's getting you through it? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Cause we are been super busy. Um, just with, you know, all of our partners are really relying on social content right now. Um, and then, you know, tripping over power cords doesn't help with <laughs> getting media requests. So our training has absolutely, we've absolutely toned down our training right now. We've just gone almost gone back into more of a base base training uh, because there is a lot of stress around everything, you know, financially and um, you know, just, you know, we're older athletes too. Right. So every year counts at this point. Um, so, you know, we're trying to, keep the immune system strong. I think that's very important. You know, how you're eating, um, making sure you're sleeping, uh, not overtraining, and then just dealing with, you know, the stress of the whole world situation right now. So, but it's been nice because we've been home more, to be honest, and Izzy loves it. Um, she doesn't know what's going on. All she knows right. is mom and dad is, or they're hanging around a lot more. So, and that, you know, that's also, you want to kind of enjoy that a little bit too. So yes, yeah, but I mean, we're in great spirits. Um, you know, all of our big races are, are other than Kona right now, kind of either been postponed or canceled. So, um, in the, in that respect, it's, it's been, um, been a little disappointing, but we have our health and, and we're here as a family. So those are the two important things. So right now you're kind of just waiting to see what races come back. What is baseline training for you? Whatever the pros say that I'm like, is that 20 hours a week? What does that mean? Yeah, I'd say, yeah, maybe 20. I mean, we're riding indoors a lot too, which is much more efficient with your time. Right. Um, and then honestly, we're just, I, I'm not swimming as much too. I mean, um, the, the master spa is awesome, but, um, you know, we're just really focusing on, on biking and running and I'm actually doing, uh, quite a bit of like short efforts on, uh, with my running, working on my neuromuscular training, my leg speed, uh, and my form. And then, uh, on the bike. Yeah. And uh, no, no crazy long rides. Um, you know, we're coming up, we're in pretty good shape, so we don't need to go to like coming off a of Christmas break base training. Um, you know, the volume's okay. It's just, just keeping things turned over. Okay. Okay. And then you'll like ramp it back up once we hear something about where things are going basically. Yeah. And in all honesty, I mean, I, what, what we do, right. Mass participation, mass participation sports are probably going to be one of the last things to come back. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just something that probably would scare a lot of people to get in big groups right away. So, you know, I imagine even once, you know, lockdowns end and people go back to work. Uh, there's still going to be some lag time before mass participation events get, get put back on. 
Oh, for sure. I've been thinking that more and more lately. Like it may be a while. What do you think? I mean, this is now just because you've been in the sport for a long time and I'm and you know, you're very involved with the PTO and, and other pros. And I've been thinking about long term, how does the sport change or adapt to this? Like, do you think we survive this? How, you know, if it goes on too long, I don't know what will happen. Yeah, I mean, well, you're, you know, you're seeing a lot of the virtual stuff mm -hmm. um, get more popularity. I think the number of, um, I saw, I read something uh, with the, all the Garmin files that the indoor training has gone up 64% or something. Yeah, I saw that study yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I think you're, they're going to find creative ways uh, for online racing. Uh, and I think, honestly, I think there might be a focus more on local grassroots races, okay. um, maybe more so than there used to be, just because people may be reluctant to travel. Um, there may be international travel restrictions still once everything gets back online, right? You know, I know Australia is talking about a six-month, um, you know, closure of, of their international border. So, uh you know, maybe we're just going to see more local 5Ks and uh, maybe local sprint triathlons, things like that. And I don't think that's a bad thing by any means. I think those are all great mechanisms to get people into uh, long course racing. Yeah, I mean, Sarah True said something similar when I kind of was talking to her about it. You know, maybe we go back to the grassroots, the like random stuff people do, the the just adventure -y type things. Right, um, right. Yeah. You guys spend half the year or some of the year in Australia usually, right? We do, yeah. We usually spend um, like we usually spend January through March there. We we went over early this year. We uh, really wanted to do Christmas with her family, um, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was the first time I've done Christmas down under. So what she, is that like? It's like summer there, right? It's barbecue. Yeah, we actually <laughs> had a huge rainstorm. So, um, but yeah, we had a big barbecue with her family. She's one of six, so uh, it's a big crew. But uh, yeah, so we went a little earlier this year, and I was actually thinking about, thinking about that today. Um, it might have been hard to get back if we had gone our normal schedule coming back at the end of March. So yeah, uh, kind yeah. of lucky that we, we got back at the end of January. How does that work? I've always been curious about these pros who have like multiple homes or spend like half the year one place. Do you just stay with family there or, or do you have like many houses? And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we get on the private jet and fly. <laughs> no, we just do Airbnb or VRBO when we get there. We, uh, we'll, we'll spend a couple of weeks with uh, Rini's family lives in Brisbane. And okay. we like to train in Noosa on the Sunshine Coast, which is about, you know, 90 minutes, two hours north of Brisbane. So, you know, we'll, we'll get there. Um, luckily, Rooney's mom has a, a big pickup truck or a ute, as they call them, down under. And she'll pick us up with all of our gear. We'll, we'll hang out in Brisbane for a week or two. And then we'll just rent a place up in Noosa. And you just bring Izzy with you on all this, right? Like, it's just a whole thing. Yeah. Izzy, you should see her passport. It's insane. There's so many stamps. Um, I think she's been to Australia four or five times already. Crazy. You know, Hawaii three times, I think. So she's uh, she's an international traveler. Yeah, I was thinking about some of these pro athletes' kids. Like, they just are used to anything. They go all over the world. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great because they just, um, you know, they're, they're, we're not disrupting them because it's their norm, right? Right. You know, she, like, that's all she knows is the, the traveling and the running around. And, um, yeah, she just adapts really well. I think it's going to be good for her down the line. Well, eventually she'll have to go to school, right? And then you'll have to. Yeah. <laughs> and we see that with, like, some of the, um, like, Chris Lee or, uh, you know, Craig Alexander. We've seen that as our kids got older, their their travel schedule definitely changed with, with school. Right, right, right. I actually was thinking, uh, I've never heard, and I'm sure, like, the slow twitch foreign people know this story but i've never heard how you and Rennie met how did you guys meet and and 
just through triathlon or is there is there a story here um yeah we actually met and well we met a couple times casually but we never really like connected <laughs> uh Rini doesn't remember one of them was in buffalo uh buffalo springs the, the 70.3 in yeah. texas yeah buffalo lake springs maybe um we we met in the med tent um <laughs> she doesn't remember that one but uh <laughs> we officially met in st croix in 2009 at the pre-race uh, that uh uh, one of the homestays, all the uh, pros stayed in one neighborhood. And uh, one of the homestays had a pasta dinner for everybody. And I had a big kind of chocolate fudge brownie. Uh, and everybody stared at me like I was crazy the night before a race. And then uh, the next morning, you know, next morning I went on, uh, won the race. It was the first 70 point three <laughs> I'd ever won. Rini had a massive lead and she balked and ended up second. So at the after party, I kind of said, um, you should have had one of those brownies. You wouldn't have bumped. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we kind of kicked it off from there. All right. So that was like your opening line. here. That was my opening line. <laughs> and then she Facebook friended me and then I just let her sit. I just let her sizzle <laughs> for a little bit. And luckily I didn't wait too long. She, she didn't lose interest, but I might have waited a little too long. <laughs> but she still, she still uh, went on our first date. So That's really funny. Um, how do you guys balance like your relationship? Because a lot of times... I mean, we get a lot of questions about this from our readers, from age group athletes, you know, and for them, it's usually like one person's really into it and the other person isn't into triathlon. But you guys both maintain like a really competitive schedule, like training, racing. Do you have any advice for people? Like, how do you do that? Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways it's good that we both know what the other is going through and, and the demands of the sport. I think if, um, you know, sometimes it can be hard, hard if the spouse doesn't relate. Um, but we definitely find it easier when we're kind of, maybe you have some separate races. Um, but now that, you know, now that issues here, we don't really want to do that. We want to travel together. So, uh, you know, we kind of have to, you know, manage that a little bit. And then obviously Cone every year we have to manage and it, it just comes down to, you know, having, uh, the right support around us that can support both of us. Because, you know, a lot of times you can't lean on the other, particularly like race week in Hawaii. Right. And so you just have to be prepared. A little, um, little forward thinking, I think, helps prevent a lot of problems before they, um, before they come. So do you guys like sit down then and decide these are the races we're going to do? And then you bring like, I'm assuming you bring a babysitter or a nanny or a family member with you then, right? That's how it works. Yeah, we have, um, we have a live-in uh, nanny, Ashley, who's been awesome. She's actually been with us. It's our third third year with us, so to have that kind of consistency with with Izzy, it's it's been pretty nice. And uh, yeah, I, that first year, two thousand eighteen, when we really started traveling with Izzy, we did the, almost the exact same schedule, and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, last year, I had a ton of injuries and sickness, <laughs> which kind of made our schedules go like this, you know, and go apart. Which uh, for me, it made it a lot harder. And Rini had to do a lot of races by herself, so she would bring uh, Izzy and Ashley with her and um, you know, she had great races. So I guess she didn't need me there. Maybe I was more, maybe I was a liability. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's mixed, right? When you go to a race with a lot of people or not, like sometimes it's really good. And sometimes it's like, Oh, this is a lot of stuff. So. Yeah. And you guys have the same coach now too, right? Cause I like, I feel like, the last time, a few years ago, when I talked to Rini before Kona, it was like, no, we have different coaches. We do like different things. We have like totally different setups before Kona. And now you guys have like the same coach, 
you're like merging, you're converging. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it's funny because we joke about that too. It's always been we've always had a hard line on that, right? It's like, okay, no, like that's the business side. Like you don't mix that, you know? And uh you know, sometimes you just you gotta go with the flow. And uh, <laughs> you know, we're luckily we're so close with Julia on a friend level and, and you know, Rennie was um doing some swimming with us last year, uh, just because series kind of had stepped back from the um day-to-day swim workouts for her squad so Rennie had kind of been in the program a little bit and then um yeah she just uh came on board fully and it's it's been a lot of fun uh so she, yeah so to be clear she came on board with julie dibbins now and is part of that whole crew yeah correct yeah the jd crew the jd crew she's hashtagging it um <laughs> she also said on our facebook live last week because she used to be a pretty strict like no wine for like two months before kona but now she's like relax that because you're you were not like going to do that. You were like, no, I will drink wine. <laughs> we, it's funny. Like, yeah, a couple of, this is a while back now. Like when I first started getting into Hawaii, she got me to go on that program. And then I started relaxing it a week or two every year. <laughs> so we definitely still, we're probably at like, when we go to Kansas now, we train in Lawrence, Kansas before Kona. Um, kind of when we go to there, we stop drinking wine. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> but who knows this year we might not, I don't know. You know, you haven't decided yet. You're like, you got to wait and yeah. see how things go. Cause I think right now you should not be cutting back on wine right now. Oh no, yeah, the consumption has skyrocketed actually. <laughs> and it, and my shirts and my pants are getting a little too tight. <laughs> You're like, Ooh, that's so, oh, <laughs> yeah, I gotta, maybe I do need to train more. So you started triathlon at the Naval Academy, right? Cause you were like mm-hmm. a swimmer before that in high school. What? I mean, for we have a lot of non-U.S. listeners who obviously don't even like the concept of the Naval Academy is kind of weird. And even for U.S. listeners, like the concept of the academies are kind of weird. Like I never really know what happens there. So what exactly is it like going to academy? What does triathlon mean at an academy? I feel like you just kind of are doing it 24-7, right? Yeah, I mean, it's um, I actually had a chance to chat with the academy tried team last week, which was a lot of fun. Catch up okay. with the, this kind of younger generation. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I guess I graduated there 2003, so it's been a while. But it was, uh, it's full on. I mean, your days are booked. You're, you know, mandatory formations in the morning, uh, mandatory formations at lunch, <laughs> mandatory meals, uh, you know, drill practice and parades and marching. Uh, and then obviously your academics and your sports and things like that. So uh, you definitely keep pretty busy. There wasn't, a, I don't remember a lot of sleep when I was at the academy. But um, yeah, the tri team. It's awesome. I mean, they're definitely one of the best collegiate club teams in the country. Yeah. Um, I like to, uh, my kind of, gen- my, my groups, my crew, when we were at the academy, I feel like we really stepped it up. And, um, you know, the men's team won two collegiate national championships my junior and senior year. Um, so, but it takes, yeah, it's a place where structure and discipline are kind of, you know, already there. So it makes sense to, you know, put that mindset into triathlon because it is a sport that's so demanding. And uh, I think that's why you see a lot of connection between the military and, and triathlon. For sure. What made you want to go to an academy? Because it sounded too intense for me, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I actually didn't didn't really think I wanted to go to, to an academy. My older brother, Thomas, uh, who was uh, a senior my freshman year, was um, super into it. He always wanted – I mean, I remember him little when he was a little kid. He had Navy sweatshirts. And uh, – yeah, I went to visit him when I was still in high school, and I just really appreciated what was going on there. I appreciated, 
knowing that everybody was there for something more than just an education. They were there to, um, to serve and, and to give back to, uh, to our country. So it just felt like the, the purpose there was so meaningful and so strong. It was, it kind of drew me in. It was something that I wanted to be part of. And then you technically kind of were then competing as a triathlete for Navy because, okay, so you went to Berkeley to do your grad, which was actually before my time, but I guess you were on the tri team when my husband was there. Cause he's still like, you're the <laughs> only pro triathlete, male pro triathlete. He like still follows or cares about. So. <laughs> but what is, but you came to UC Berkeley, but you competed for Navy. Cause that was like officially your assignment. Like that was your assignment. How does that work? Like you're competing as a triathlete as your Naval assignment. Is that right? Yeah. So, no, actually, so when I, yeah, when I went to Cal, um, I have, I had the craziest Navy career ever, by the way. <laughs> I mean, my older brother, Thomas is still in the Navy. He just made captain or 06 officer level. He's a real deal. He's, um, you know, he's Mr. Navy and I'm, I was, <laughs> I just ended up being the complete opposite. <laughs> You're like, no, but, uh, <laughs> right. So they had a program at the Academy. It was called the immediate graduate education program. And if you were basically in like the top 50 in the class academically, and you received a scholarship from one of the accepted universities, then you could go um, and get your master's. Okay. And you were already, you, you know, you were already commissioned an officer. So at that time, I was uh, an ensign. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, qualified. I studied ocean engineering, and I got accepted uh, to Cal. And so yeah, my first two years as an officer were actually at Cal Berkeley. But uh, for the record, I never. I, I was part of the definitely part of the Cal team, but I I refused to race. Right, that's what the thing my was. My senior year, I got beat by a professional, uh, Eric Bean from Stanford, <laughs> and he was like already finished school and was just training full time as a professional to win collegiate nationals. Right, and I'm like, this is bogus. Like my <laughs> schedule at the academy, and I got this guy's like in a van training on the race course for three months. <laughs> so uh, when I got to Cal, I'm like, I, I love I, the, the team. There was awesome. They meant so many great people. Um, I want to be a part of this, but I, I just can't race. <laughs> I can't go to collegiate nationals and, and Eric being somebody. Okay. Cause I was wondering, cause it was always a thing. It was always like, oh yeah, but he doesn't race for us. And I was like, <laughs> 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 so you kind of plugged away for a long time then for Navy, you won like a bunch of the, mil I forget what the official term is, but like the military national championship. Yeah, the Armed Forces National Championships. Yeah. Right, right. And so you kind of just like kept, you know, plugging away as a pro. When do you feel like if you were going to say this is the time, when do you feel like you made it as a pro? Uh, it definitely was not in my ITU short course career. Um, that's for sure. I was a schlep on the ITU <laughs> course. I think my best result was uh, World Cup in Israel, I got 11th. I didn't even get top 10. It was in like December, like when everybody else has done their season and I, <laughs> I still couldn't get a top 10. Um, it took a while for my running to come around. So yeah, when I was in the Navy racing for the Navy, and you know, obviously was uh, focused on trying to make the Olympic team in 2008. And I went to, um, you know, I went to Olympic trials and actually got stuck in my wetsuit in T1. Oh, is this why you didn't make the Olympics? Right you now, yeah. that suit off? I mean, I'm not saying I would have run fast enough to make the team, but I was in the break with, I think it was Hunter and Andy, maybe somebody else. And uh, I was in, in that small, in that read, maybe I was in that small group. And, you know, that's where you had to be. Like, you know, everybody that made the team came from that group. And I was with them out of the water, got stuck in my wetsuit. And then I was with, that was it. But, <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, but, but my running really came along. And at 
the time I was working with Cliff English and we just, and when I moved to Boulder in 09, we just started like running, running, running. So my running came along in 09 and 2010. And, uh, you know, actually, you know, I was on the podium at us nationals and ITU, um, and pan am championships as well in 09 and 10, kind of that time frame. So my running, I was, I think I was actually, you know, considered, you know, a legitimate contender for a U.S. spot for the Olympics. But at that, I was also really coming into my own with, with uh, long course racing. Okay. And I think that breakout was definitely 2009 St. Croix. Oh, okay. So um, I started to get confidence brownie. in my running. Okay. The brownie, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I did, uh, I went to New Orleans earlier that year, my first 70.3. And this is, I got out of the Navy at the end of 08. And I'm like, okay, I got this much money saved up. I'm going to go move to Boulder. I can race for a year and a half. And I can try to make it, you know, kind of, you know, baptism by fire, either do it or go get a job. <laughs> and that's when things, you know, started to click. But my first 70.3, I was in really good shape. And I, uh, I lost all my gels all flew off my bike at the very, like right out of transition. And I'm like, and I had a horrible ride. And I'm like, man, like, I just need to get a job. Like, I'm not, I, I'm not cut out for this. And uh, I'm like, you know what, forget it. Just try to have a really good run. Have like, like focus on what you can do right now. You can have a really good run and you can take, take something away from this race. Right. So I ended up having the fastest run split of the day and ran myself back onto the podium. And that's when I'm like, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe and, I don't uh, need to get a job. Okay. Right. Maybe I can wait for that job a little bit. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later or two months later, or whatever it was, I went to St. Croix and won the race on the run and uh, subsequently broke Craig Alexander's course record. Um, so that gave me so much confidence. And from there on, you know, confidence is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, once, once I really believed that I could do it, I'd seen, I had seen my ability in training, but it, it hadn't translated into racing yet. Cause I didn't believe in it, but those, those two races really made me believe in myself. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I definitely had the same, like, Oh, forget this. I go do something easier, go get a real job. Uh, and so you, it's interesting to hear that, that you all, that you had those thoughts but then you worked through them and, and yep. came out the other side. Okay. What, yeah, what job would you have gotten? What job? I don't know. <laughs> I was actually looking at Apple. I was looking to apply to um, get an MBA. Um, Just keep I, going I to I, Yeah, I, wanted, I actually wanted to go to Cal. I, I couldn't figure it out. I was trying to figure out a way that I could go and do, not do the engineering program, but do an MBA. And I couldn't figure it out. But I would go, I would take night classes at uh, their business school. Oh. Just because it was, it was so much more interesting to me than necessarily engineering uh yeah i don't think i'll be a uh, practicing engineer any any at any point in this lifetime <laughs> <laughs> but you might be a business so we're business expertise is what we should be uh yep, looking for yep. i think well i think I, the entrepreneurial spirit goes hand in hand with um being a professional triathlete that's for sure uh, yeah, because that's true. there is definitely a lot of risk yeah yeah and then uh and so I think what a lot of people probably want to know about and you know what was a pretty big deal for you was kind of the second place at Kona last year and I think what was really interesting for a lot of us was you were so hurt throughout the year like you were kind of off the radar you'd been injured and and then you just came you know and delivered and so I'm curious how much were you like knew you could do it and holding those cards like close to your chest like oh I'm hurt guys and how much did it just kind of end up surprising you uh I was definitely very I did not I kept a low profile. Um, I didn't actually know I was even going to be able to race, honestly, until two weeks before. I had not run outside until, I think it was less than two weeks before Kona had not run outside. Okay. But 
I was doing these amazing sessions on the alter G, um, like weight reduce. And I'm like, I, you know what? I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I think I might be onto something like this might be my key, uh, you know? And you know, I was able to kind of, you, I obviously have to work with the hand you're dealt, right? I broke my foot, foot seven weeks before Kona. I, uh, couldn't run outside. Uh, took me a couple weeks even to get on the alter G. Um, but I knew my cycling was way better than in years past because I wasn't able to run and it's all about, you know, energy and, you know, if you, you can't really necessarily focus all on your riding and your running at the same time, it's a pretty taxing on the body. So I knew that the cycling focus was going to put me in a good position and that the work I was doing on the Alta G was really good. So I, I had this weird self-confidence that I should not have had. Like, honestly, I really did not think I was going to race two weeks before Kona. And, uh, but I kept, I did, I didn't say anything about that. You know, I just took the pressure off myself. And, um, I know Greg Bennett, uh, is a good buddy of mine. He, I think he did some commentary for Ironman and he, he told, and I did not tell Greg this, uh, but he told, I think he told Sebi and Jan that I wasn't even putting in, putting my running shoes in, in T2. <laughs> so I think Sebi, like when he got across the line, he's like, what the heck? I thought you weren't even going to run. I'm like, dude, I never said that. <laughs> he's like, wait, what? Yeah, he's like, wait, well, come on, guy. Uh, it seems like it ended up working, right? Did you like secretly stumble on a secret sauce here where you actually ended up being more rested and more ready to go? Yeah, I, th I think that's 100% true. I mean, no one wants to, everybody wants to go in knowing they've done all this work and then they, you can take a lot of confidence from the work you've done, but at the end of the day, it doesn't, fitness is not performance, right? Mm -hmm. Like the more fitness you get doesn't mean your performance is going to get better. Um, you have to figure out what the fitness you need for the, the best performance. And I think this whole experiment, which really is what it was, um, proved to me that, you know, you can be smarter and, and really race well. Did you change anything then coming out? Are you like, oh man, let's relook at my taper plan? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we will definitely. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of a bummer. We we're hoping to experiment a little bit more in July before Roth. Um, oh yeah, you know, but that's been canceled, so we're gonna have to figure it out before Kona. But I definitely think I'll do another strong cycling focus, and then you know, do some weight assisted running. I was also talking to Ben Hoffman a week or so ago, and he said, you know, it's the second place curse. Like you come in and you're like, oh, I have to win now. And you just blow yourself up. And do you feel like you have to win now? Is that kind of. Uh, you know, I've, I've already gone through that um, <laughs> with when I was on the podium in 15. Right. And, you know, I've worked with Mark Allen in the past, too. And he always says that he's like, it's such a hard position because, you know, that second through fourth. And if you look at historically for the men's race, I think since 2005, the winner almost always comes from second through fourth. Mm -hmm. um, you had this weird, either you get so confident because you were so close that you're like, I got this, I'm going to win. And then you have a horrible race or you panic and like, I need to do more. Like I'm so close. If I do more, 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 I'm going to get over the line. So um, I have that definitely have that in the back of my mind. Yeah. And, I, and honestly, I think the whole situation in the world right now that's keeping us from racing is going to kind of put everybody on my plan last year. You know, everybody's <laughs> resting right now. So it could be an amazingly fast Kona this year if it happens. I've been wondering that if like now that all these races are September, October, if it's just going to like everyone's going to come out super fit, super rested. And it's just going to be crazy. Yeah, we'll I think it, I think it's going to go two ways. I think people are either going to just keep training and put themselves in a hole 
right. or you're going to be like me and probably put on a couple extra pounds and then, you know, turn it around at the end of the year. You, I mean, you mentioned early on with this whole like quarantine thing too, obviously you and, and Rini are both like later in your career. So it does like add kind of an extra pressure. How are you've done doing this for so long? How do you keep it interesting year after year? Like not make it a grind. Like what makes you want to keep coming back? Yeah. I mean, I think no matter what you do, it's going to be a grind at some point. So you just have to <laughs> accept that, you know, it's your job and it's um, still better than any other option I can think of, of how I want to spend my time uh, working at least. And yeah, I mean, you have to, you, every year I kind of think of a couple different, a couple things I can do differently to become a better athlete. Okay. And I think if you get stuck in the mindset that you have to train harder and train more every year to become a better athlete, you're not going to make it, um, you know, long in your career. It may be very, very, very successful, but I think if you want to have a long career, um, and I've learned a lot from Rini too about, you know, having a sustainable career, um, you just have to be creative and think about different ways to become a better athlete. And that's what I've honestly been fo focusing on these last two, two and a half years is becoming a more efficient athlete. Um, you know, the training I do is much different than I did when I was younger, yet I, I think I'm faster and stronger than I've ever been. And I think that comes from changing that mindset and, and looking for ways to become a smarter, uh, more efficient athlete. What, uh, what kind of things make like, should people think about becoming a more, what makes you a more efficient athlete? Uh, for me, bike position is huge. Oh, okay. Um, and being able to work on holding bike position, uh, anybody can look good for a photo, right. <laughs> and get super tucked and, right, right. um, or look good on the, on, in the wind tunnel, but it's, how, how do you manage that over 180 K? And I think that's huge. Uh, running for me, I've done a lot on, uh, we have a techno gym skill mill, which is a curved treadmill. Oh yeah. Those are and that's crazy. really helped me, my foot position, getting my foot under my body and getting that hip drive and, um, you know, really activating your, your glute and getting that extension through the back of, um, your stride. It's been huge. And I mean, you can, I'm by no means saying I'm a, the, <laughs> Raining. I don't look like raining when I run, but if you look at how I ran in 2010 versus now, uh, definitely look um, like I'm a more efficient runner and, and just getting more out of the energy I put into the ground. Do you guys run together? Does she like give you tips? Is this like do you do any of your workouts together? <laughs> uh, we don't. We do some aerobic stuff together, um, but uh, yeah, I mean mainly because we've always had different coaches. We do. Um, we kind of stick to our own thing. But uh, yeah, not too much. We'll go like easy runs for sure. Like our afternoon jogs, we'll, we'll go out together. Um, but I actually tend to run a little faster on my easy running. So she doesn't really like to run with me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have the exact same experience with my husband. So there you go. <laughs> so in this whole quarantine thing, obviously you said like there's a few things, you know, you guys are like adjusting, going back to kind of base training. Is there anything... I mean, what's really helping you get through this? Is there anything that you're going to keep using now you know, moving forward, like that you've done that you're like, Oh, actually. Yeah. I'm gonna keep I mean, actually, um, I'm most, I mean, obviously I'm lucky I'm Rennie, but, um, you know, I've gotten used to training with, you know, Justin Metzler and Joe Gambles and everybody from the JD crew. Um, so I've lost a lot of my entertainment value. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I work with aftershocks and luckily their cross trainers are waterproof. So, um, you know, when I'm in the master spa for an hour by myself or, uh, you know, I'm out riding by myself, uh, at least to have some entertainment with my, with my headphones. So um, that's that's actually been been pretty good for me to kind of 
get through the monotony of all this training right now. <laughs> so are you just record like old conversations I, from your trading partners? I should. <laughs> I just yeah. I should just Bluetooth uh, Joe Gambles in the into my uh, my aftershocks because he will he will talk the whole ride. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got him going about uh, some of the sh- the shoes. Um, you know, everybody's talking about yes. shoes right now. You know. Right and the disparity among some shoes. And uh, I think we got through probably almost two hours of a ride a couple of weeks ago of him just talking about that. Just so, let him go. Okay. You just let him go. It's amazing. <laughs> we will have to get him on the podcast and just let him talk yeah, about whatever he talk. wants to talk. Okay. <laughs> What's been the hardest part you think of all of this, um, you know, the past, the past few weeks and, and everything. What's the weirdest thing and the hardest thing? Um, yeah, it's um, it's just that surreal feeling around, you know. Um, you drive down to the grocery store, and just everything is a little off. And just knowing, um, you know, how many people are kind of struggling with with unemployment and things like that, um, just puts this weird, you know. Actually, um, so 2013 Boulder, they had a we had a huge flood, and I remember kind of like right when the kind of the, the stay at home policy came in place, I said to Rennie, it's it just feels like that morning when we woke up um, in 2013 for the first morning of the flood and just, you know, something's something not great is happening right now. So um, just kind of that whole just feeling. And I think people miss, um, I think people now appreciate, of you know, human interaction, right? right? Like we've gone, we've gotten, gotten so reliant on technology now, but now you, you understand, Hey, like I actually miss this. If this was gone, I would really, really miss this. So uh, maybe this will help us all put our phones down in the future and um, just interact with people a little bit more when, when we're allowed to. Yeah. I mean, people are on their phones too much right now. So I'm definitely over, over the Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and obviously, I mean, usually I would have to say like, what are your plans for the year? What do you have coming up? And it's like just too hard to even, like right now your plans are just to wait and see, right? Pretty right. much. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely wait and see. And until then we'll be doing uh, Instagram takeovers for our partners and some base training. <laughs> Tim and Rini show. We just launched uh, season one of the Tim and Rini show on our YouTube channel. Oh, okay. Wait, so, is season one? I thought. Oh, uh, sorry. Season three. episode. Okay. One. I was like, wait, what was I watching before? <laughs> right, yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> and how do you guys shoot those? You just like sh- plan them out and and Talbot comes yeah and yeah it. we can get them get them edited we obviously don't do any editing um <laughs> it's way beyond our pay grade I just bought a selfie stick uh okay so um we're obviously that's our the extent of our <laughs> camera capability <laughs> oh man and uh and I guess we should be looking then for the future in future years uh to see you starting your own businesses your own triathlon plans after you retire We'll yeah, we want to, uh, Rennie and I definitely want to stay in the sport. I think how we do that, we're not quite sure yet. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that's always on our mind. Yeah. And but, is, is he, you know, uh, yeah. I was going to say, is, is he following in your footsteps? I know we like asked uh, some question on our Facebook if uh, who she thought was fastest, you were Rennie, and she apparently kept saying her. Is he fastest? Yeah, oh, yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, she, I, she totally gets it now. Um, and like when we start our runs now, she'll get on her scooter and try to race us when we start going on our runs and uh, she does hot laps on her scooter around the, uh, the kitchen Island. And like she leans, she's leaning into the turn. She's got her leg out. Um, so <laughs> she's, I think she likes speed. So I don't know. She might be more of a, like she may end up being a snowboarder or skateboarder or something. 
Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think she likes that a little bit more of that adrenaline kick. <laughs> um, well, so the last couple of weeks, we've been doing like a weird would you rather at the end with uh, one of our guests. And I was trying to think what would be a good would you rather for you. And uh, I, I used to, my, my roommates in, in, at the academy, we, we always used to play this. <laughs> oh, really? What were ones yes. you guys, what were ones you guys played? Oh, they were X-rated. You were, I can repeat them now. <laughs> <laughs> they were always inappropriate. Okay, we will not go inappropriate. Um, <laughs> all right, well, let's go with like, would you rather race by yourself? Oh, like for the rest of, you know, for the rest of your life, but you win or, you know, you get to have Rinny and Izzy and everybody with you, but, you know, you never win. Never, not even once. Not, is there a chance of winning? You, <laughs> no, no, you never there's win. There's not even a chance? <laughs> no. Oh, man. I know, it's tough, right? You're like, it's tough. I, I don't think I could, I don't, I have to pick option A. I don't think I could go into something knowing I don't even have a chance of winning. Right. You have to be, you're like, I have to win. I have win. to have a chance to win. <laughs> that makes sense. Otherwise, why are you a pro, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well thank you so much for, for joining us and for chatting. And, uh, and I'm sure we'll like be looking for you, you know, on the race course when things get started again. Oh, yeah. No, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me on. And I'm uh, hoping every, all your listeners are staying uh, healthy and in good spirits right now. Thanks to Tim and Sarah for chatting. And thanks to our editor and our entire staff at Triathlete for all their hard work. And thanks to you guys for listening. Be sure to subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And make sure you stay safe in the coming weeks with wherever you're training. Thank you.